This is The Catholic Current with Father Robert Mateig. I had a conversation with parents who were thinking of sending their kids to a, a Catholic high school. Let's just say that, well, sure, they're, they're not really very Catholic, but the kid's going to get a good SAT score. Put it this way, people who espouse traditional values, they're not going to be left alone by progressive culture, are they? No, they're not. To that point, St. Peter doesn't check your SAT scores when you show up at the pearly gates. And there are there are more important things in life. Praise be Jesus Christ. This is Father Robert McTague of the Society of Jesus, your daily host for the Catholic Current, where we bring Christ to the world and the world to Christ. You're listening to us from the Station of the Cross Studios, your local radio station, and the iCatholic Radio mobile app, where we proclaim the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. As always, let's start with prayer. Name of the Father, Son of the Holy Spirit. Almighty God, through the intercession of St. Ignatius Loyola, we ask that you pour forth your Holy Spirit upon us, a spirit of discernment, to meet your voice and obey your command. Name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, friends, it's the beginning of 2022. The year 2021 is not quite distant in the rearview mirror just yet. We want to do a review of media, the control it has, and what the alternatives might be. We want to talk about lies, we want to talk about censorship, and we want to talk about options that ordinary people have. It's Timely Tuesday, so you want to stay with us for the whole hour in the last segment. It'll be you and me sharing thoughts on what we heard today. My returning guest is a favorite among the listeners. Uh, The numbers show that. She's a social political commentator, and she's known as the Crusader Gal, and you can find her good work on most video platforms, including Rumble, Odyssey, Gab TV, and YouTube, and she's got an occasional column at Substack as well. We'll link to all of that. Sarah Corey, Welcome back to The Catholic Current. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Uh, Sarah, I know that you put together a brief video called The Top Media Lies of 2021, and, and I thought this would you know, go on for about 12 or 15 hours because there are, <laughs> are so many candidates. It's only a minute and a half, and the audio is strong. It's complemented by the video layovers that you had, the headlines, etc. So it really wouldn't work for us to reproduce it on radio. But I know that one of your considerations was this just wouldn't play on YouTube, you'd, you'd get a slap on the wrist or, or worse. What, what did you learn putting this video together? And what did you learn after you realized this isn't welcome on a lot of platforms? Well, it was actually disturbing because, I mean, the whole point of putting the video together was I was trying to be a little bit more positive because I wanted to put something together for the new year for my listeners and watchers. And I didn't want to be as pessimistic as I usually am by saying this, this next year is going to be even worse than last year. I didn't want to do that. And so I decided to look back and say, you know, actually, the media put a lot of spin and they introduced a lot of negativity into a lot of people's lives simply through outright lies that should not have been told. And then at the end of that, when I went to put it onto YouTube along with other platforms, I realized that in a kind of stroke of irony, you might say, I couldn't bring light to these lies on that platform because these are topics that cannot be brought up. Like specifically in relation to, to COVID, which is something that's been on everyone's mind for two years now, the official advice has changed multiple times. And anybody who speaks ill against any of that advice at different points in time is, uh, well, frankly, outright censored. And that continues to this day. That We can't even point to the lies of the past and say that they were lies <laughs> at this point in time. The truth just simply is not a defense in the modern world of big tech. You know, I, I, I've been told that on Facebook, for example, if you mention anything about COVID at all, there is some sort of fact-checking for really reliable information. Click on, click on, on this link. You know, someone is definitely standing over, over your shoulder and, and making sure that you stay in your lane and that you don't do anything that might cast any doubt on the, the narrative. Of course, the irony is that the narrative keeps shifting continuously. I mean, we went from masks are absolutely not necessary to they could be helpful to their mandatory to their multiple, to uh, on and on it goes. Can you give us a, a survey of uh, what some of the top stories were that, that you covered in your video? Um, sure. I, I certainly talked about the, in regard to the mass, of course, like you just covered, but also the vaccine. I mean, we, we're just talking about rolling out number four, I believe Moderna is talking about now here in January. But originally we were told that the first one would be enough. And then we were told that at most we'd have one booster shot and then, you know, two and then three and now four. There was also, of course, the Kyle Rittenhouse case, a young man who defended himself from numerous attackers. And we were told that he was a white supremacist. We were told that the attackers that he shot were black. They were not, they were white. And that was just simply ignored. We were told that Jesse Smollett 
a black gay actor who considers himself far more notorious than he actually is, uh, you know, that we were told that he was attacked by white people who hunted him down in the streets of Chicago, yelling, this is MAGA country, put a noose around his neck and doused him with bleach. In fact, none of that happened. Rather, he hired two also gay men with whom he'd had prior sexual relations um, to put a noose around his neck, not actually attack him. And then he, he held that noose around his own neck until police arrived so that he could you know, make his demonstration. He did all of this to prove that hate crimes exist in America, when in fact, obviously they don't, which is reinforced by the fact that he had to invent one because they're so rare, especially in that, in that particular racial direction. But also, uh, one of the probably bigger events, at least to my mind, was the, uh, the attack that happened in Waukesha, Wisconsin, which was where a, a black man intentionally decided to run down a Christmas parade full of white people and he was a man who hated white people. And the thing was that the news media did not cover that accurately. Rather, they covered it as simply an SUV drove into a parade. Or, you know, they, they acted as if there was no driver. And we know from the way they've covered other attacks and incidents that had the racial dynamics of that been reversed, the coverage would have been quite different. It would have been an examination of that person's racial ideology and where they learned that and who radicalized them and so on. None of that was the case. In fact, it was almost like the perpetrator did not exist. Well, it did seem to be some sort of miraculous self-driving car that went astray. Friends, it's Timely Tuesday here at the Catholic Current. Uh, my uh, lively favorite guest is Sarah Coria, the Crusader gal. Uh, people have asked frequently for her to be back on the show. And we're starting our conversation talking about uh, media manipulation. Uh, Sarah, there, there are people who throw up their hands in, in exasperation. And I, I, I like to quote Mark Twain who said, if you read the newspaper, if you don't read the newspapers, you're uninformed. But if you read the newspapers, you're, you're misinformed. There are people who say, I, I just want to tune out the world. I know I'm being lied to. I can't can't find anything or, or, or anyone that, that I can trust. I don't think that completely detaching is the right answer either. What, what suggestions or recommendations would you make to people who know they're being lied to and their patience is wearing thin? Well, I can understand the desire to tune out, and periodically I do for a day or so. But I think that uh, doing so in a more long-term way is... Well, almost like shirking your own duty. Uh, what I ended up, what I end up doing mostly is not turning on the TV and certainly not tuning into cable news. But I do go to places like trends.gab.com, which is what I recommend at the end of that video. Also, whatfinger.com. These are different aggregators that collect the different news, but don't just use the mainstream news sources. But they actually use alternative sources as well, and they mi mix them in so that you kind of have options and you know what you're clicking on and you you don't have sort of the lies by omission that people are unaware of like i do the live streams every thursday night and one of the most common pieces of feedback that i get is i never knew that happened because i end up covering news stories that other people simply don't know took place because they run counter to the narrative that's being pushed by the mainstream media and that's one of the main ways in which we're manipulated as a society is through the emission of news. People think they can just go to CNN and read between the lines. And I'm sorry, but you can't because you can't read between the lines that simply aren't there. And that's the sort of society that we're actually living in. So uh, I, I would recommend doing that using things like trends.gad.com and whatfinger.com and also using simply more independent news sources whenever possible, you know, independent political commentators and so on, because we're moving toward a time where you really can't get news that is entirely divorced from opinion. That's what people used to do when they tuned into the cable news. They thought they were getting that. That's not the case. So, you know, avoiding independent political commentary because you're afraid that there's some partisanship, which there will be, because there is always bias. Everyone delivering is human. Um, is not really a good way to go. Avoiding that is not a good way to go because there is no alternative. You can't tune into the mainstream news and expect there to be an, an emission of bias because that's just not the case. Well, you know, I, I think it was uh, James Corbett. And James Corbett, if you're listening in the Western shores of Japan, please contact us. We, <laughs> I, I certainly want to interview you. I do recommend CorbettReport.com because he is a very sane, sober voice. Who uh, And he has his point of view and he's candid about that. And he makes all of his sources available. But he talked about, he said, you know, the, the barbarians no longer have to burn the library to the ground. They just have to manipulate the card catalog. 
wrong. They just have to manipulate the, the search engine. And so if you make something really hard to find, it's almost as good as destroying it. And people only have a limited, you know, we only have 24 hours in a day. People have a limited attention span. They're bombarded by flashing lights and noise constantly. And I think people are overwhelmed by, by the information. They're overwhelmed by the data. And I don't think they fully appreciate their obligation to be properly informed. And it's not as simple as it was in my parents' day where you turn on the television at 6 o'clock and listen to Walter Cronkite and expect the truth. Friends, we come back. We're going to continue our timely Tuesday conversation with Sarah Corrier. She's known as the Crusader Gal. In the next segment, we're going to talk about uh, pronoun manipulation, pronoun hospitality, and the psychology of illusion. Remember, our rallying cry here at the Catholic Current is Christus Mundo, Mundus Christo, bringing Christ to the world and the world to Christ. We do it because our Lord says so for the greater glory of God, the love of our neighbor, and the salvation of our own soul. After the broadcast today, go to thestationofthecross.com, get our resources list, download our audio as podcast. Everything you need to take this conversation to your family and friends we give to you. Together, let's take it around the world. Back in just two minutes. Please do stay with us. From 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern, the Station of the Cross brings you Mother Miriam Live. It is Christ's church. He will build it. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. But it's time for us, the remnant, to step up and do everything we can. Tune in from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern for Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross and our free iCatholic Radio mobile app. You can also watch the video stream every day on Facebook or on YouTube. You're listening to The Catholic Current with Father Robert Mateig from the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. Stay connected with the show, our guests, and topics by following the show on Twitter and Gab. Just search for The Catholic Current. Praise be Jesus Christ. This is Father Robert McTague of the Society of Jesus, your daily host for the Catholic Current, where we bring Christ to the world and the world to Christ. You're listening to us from the Station of the Cross Studios, your local radio station, and the iCatholic Radio mobile app, where we proclaim the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. It's Timely Tuesday here at the Catholic Current. You want to stay with us for the whole hour. In the last segment, it's you and me sharing timely thoughts, reflecting on what we've heard today. My returning guest is Sarah Corrier, political and social commentator known as the Crusader Gal. We're linking to all her important work in the, in the show notes. Sarah, you recently published uh, an article in your Substack column called Homefront Crusade, and it was called The Cost of Surrendering the Pronoun War. And I, I thought to myself, uh, my, my parents passed away almost 20 years ago, and I'm trying to imagine how to explain to my mother about pronoun hospitality or explaining to my father why on his business cards he would have to put his pronouns on. Help me out here. Yeah, it does seem like we have descended in the last 10 years into something that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And, and it has happened at a pace that's difficult to kind of uh, accept. But yes, there are people now who maintain that you can simply switch your gender on the basis of the way that you feel on the inside and further that everybody else should go along with it. And it's that second part that I kind of took issue with in my most recent piece. It's the assertion that everybody else should go along with it because if they don't, they're bigoted, which is the sort of modern leftist mantra. And it's not true. And I think actually the opposite is true. I think that if you indulge the delusion of somebody else and you agree to walk in a lie alongside them, that you're doing them a disservice and you're doing society a disservice as well. Expand on that. I can understand that if you 
if you enable someone's um, distortion, confusion, mental illness, you know, for example, I think it would be blameworthy of me to buy alcohol for an alcoholic. Even if he says he really desires it, even if he says he doesn't feel safe unless he has a bottle in his hand, I, I still wouldn't do it. Uh, someone who announces sincerely, whatever that might mean, or insincerely, I, I'm, I'm feeling like a woman today, or I'm feeling like a man today. Wasn't born that way, but this is how I feel today. I, I can understand that you're, you're facilitating and enabling a confusion. But what, what is the societal impact on that? Tell us about that, please. Well, the societal impact is that we're collectively agreeing to a lie. And we've done that in the area of the so-called LGBT movement in a lot of different ways. We, we did it when we agreed that homosexuality was a sexual orientation equal to heterosexuality, which is the normal belief nowadays. It's what we raised our, our kids believing. It's what I was raised being taught in schools. And from there, we said that because of that, then there's no reason that they can get married. In fact, it's bigoted to say otherwise. And these, these one lie after another builds and people end up kind of trying to manifest themselves on a foundation of those lies. And now we're sort of talk, starting to talk about whether or not pedophilia should just be called minor attraction. And that's the, the trouble is that we're sort of building on, the, on this shoddy foundation. And that's where we are now. And then there's the, the, in, the impact that you have on the individual when you agree, because it's like at that point, it's being referred to as compassion, right? To, to agree, to refer to a man as a, as a she, but what you're really agreeing to is to, not, to deny the person, to say that they have no intrinsic worth or value or dignity, that you see none of it, and instead you're willing to lie and pretend that there's something else and join them instead in their own denial of self. And that's not, that's not compassion. It's, it's, it's just cowardice that lies and pretends to be compassion at the disservice of them for the benefit of yourself because it's easier to comply and to be cowardly than it is to speak up for truth. You know, sir, I, I, I agree with, with all that. And I think of, you know, when, when I, I, I'd evaluate a, a social policy with my students in my ethics class, I'd always ask, does this help us build a moral house in which we would want to live? And if someone says, I don't feel safe if you don't use my preferred pronouns, I said, well, I don't feel safe when you demand that I lie. Right? And, and I don't feel safe in a culture where we're inviting children to not trust what is obvious, that you can look down and the mystery is solved. You, you can know whether or not you're, you're male or, or, or female. And then talk about following the science. If there's little that's more fundamental in human identity than you have double X chromosomes or you have XY chromosomes at the end. And then there's the confusion of I was born that way is mic drop with certain topics, but I was born that way is, is the point of departure for 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 other topics. So it seems to me that we're building the foundation on 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 shifting sands. This can't end well. Is this just my well, my natural Irish melancholy get, getting ahead of me? No, I don't think so. And I think that when we well, you're talking about the the fact that you know you you kind of have objective truth as to whether a person is male and female, and that's true. But what you end up doing with this new ideology is replacing that objective truth with the subjective belief of the person who is feeling a certain way, and that person then maintains that you have to accept his subjective belief that is wrong, and you have to accept that as sort of objective in and of itself. And so it ends up that you're that everyone is sort of equally confused and equally surrounded in this mesh that doesn't make any sense because it's some random person's subjective belief of what they think they ought to be based upon what they feel. But we're we're driving and creating a society that that can't stand on its own because we're creating a society that is held up on a foundation of itself. And right now, what we have are books that are outright being banned on things such as those who, for example, experience homosexual attraction that they're not comfortable with and they want to get rid of it. And there are actual books that try and teach people how to do that and how to come to terms with such things as the trauma that they experienced in childhood and so on. Those books are being banned from places like Amazon, outright banned, because those ideas aren't allowed, because those ideas question the very foundational um, beliefs of our society that are untrue. The, the idea that, for example, homosexuality is equal and righteous um, 
to to heterosexual attraction. Our friends, my guest today is Sarah Corrier. You know her as the Crusader Gal. We're going to be linking to her important work in, in the show notes. Now, we're talking about a recent essay that talked about uh, the pronoun wars and, and pronoun uh, d- distortions. Uh, Sarah, is you always wonder... You, you say, a friend of mine told me about what he called the theology of the false bottom, that the that the floorboards give out from underneath you, you fall, you land on your face, and you say, well, that was awful, but surely it can't get any worse. Now, now we, we've hit bedrock here. And so there was the, the normalization of same-sex uh, attraction, which biologically is difficult to argue for. Then there was the normalization of of same sex marriage, which again, as Christians, is is very difficult to to argue for, and now there's the the normalization of you can decide you're one of X number of genders at any moment, and everyone has to rearrange their lives, uh, or otherwise you're you're a hater and you're subject to fines. I'd also say you're subject to manipulation. Uh, what what's the next frontier if we don't begin to challenge this madness strongly? Well, I think that we're talking about outright normalization of pedophilia is the the obvious direction that we're going in, and you see that most prevalently inside of the so-called LGBT movement, for want of a better term. The Washington Post just published a, an op-ed a few months ago called "Yes, Kink Belongs at Pride, and I Want My Kids to See It." That was considered okay for the Washington Post, which was at one time at least, considered to be a prestigious publication. And so when people tell me that I'm being, that I'm exaggerating when I talk about the normalization of pedophilia, um, I say they've not been paying any attention because, in fact, this isn't where we're going. It's pretty much where we are at this point, certainly if you look inside of that community. And now they're teaching uh, kids at young ages highly sexual topics that are also wrong. Right. <laughs> and that's where we are. And so, like, for example, I once uh, hired a guy to write an article uh, at, a, at a site and he wrote an article about those gay pride parades. And his point was that there's no way that a, a straight parade, a heterosexual parade could be that sexualized and not have outrage. And yet with a so-called pride parade, the sexualization is ignored and encouraged, societally speaking. And he was correct. But the thing is that we're, we're moving toward a point where people don't even see a desire to protect children from overt sexualization. And it's, it's, it, it's appearing in our schools as well. Well, you know, and I think of, uh, you know, drag queen story hour mm-hmm. in, um, in the public library. And again, you know, I think back to my late mother trying to explain that to her, <laughs> that I'm going to take my little sister to the library because the drag queen is, is going to be there. I, 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 I can't. I lack the imaginative resources to to depict how how I, I make that conversation. What, what is what is the appeal? I mean, there's there's a natural inclination to want to protect children. I think that's been eroded in the United States since 1973 with, with uh, the normalization of of abortion as a mere surgical procedure wherein nobody dies. Uh, so one, once you undercut that fundamental inclination to protect children, then then drag queen story hour becomes uh, becomes easier to to accept. Am, am I going down a wrong road here? No, I don't think so. I, I think it's, I think you're right on with your observation. And at this point, increasingly, we're sort of devaluing children as children and. As we sort of hypersexualize them, as we are, you know, we're, there are some schools that are teaching sexual positions to children as young as seven and eight, and there isn't the outrage that you ought to have. So we, we are kind of, uh, I think, devaluing children. I think we're in the area of abortion. We're pretending as if no children are are, are suffering, no children are being killed in that. So yeah, we're, we're devaluing them throughout our society. See, I, I, I find that absolutely uh, alarming and, and appalling. And as a Christian, I have to say, uh, God doesn't sleep, and, and God doesn't forget, and, and God is, and God is, is, is watching. Uh, Sarah, have you gotten any, any responses to your, your, your essay? Uh, we've, we've got about a minute left here, a minute and a half. Yes, uh, it's, it was very positively received by a lot of people. And the thing is that I do think that 
a lot had previously decided that on a personal level, it was okay for them to indulge. And it, the article came to me because recently I was asked to do this very thing. I was asked to engage in the lie um, for the benefit of somebody who was a, a male who was dressing as a female. And so it caused some reflection because it's, I personally cannot engage in a lie to join that person in denying himself. And that is the point where I found a lot of people who listen to my streams and so on have said, well, you know, I can understand how we shouldn't do it at the societal level because it, it's bad to build a society on that. But me personally, if I'm, if I'm around this person, I'm just going to be nice. It's, it's not nice to engage in a delusion. It's not nice to go up to someone, for example, who has, let's just say, another delusion to take the politics out of it and who is hearing voices. It's not nice to go up to them as their friend and say, you know what? Those voices are real. Right. It's and not I, nice. And I, and I see the unicorn, too. Friends, we come back and continue our conversation with Sarah Corrier, the Crusader gal, on this Timely Tuesday. In the next segment, we're going to be talking about stories that we are both following as 2022 uh, heads in, in our, our direction. Uh, after the broadcast today, go to the thestationofthecross.com, get our resources list, download our audio as podcasts. Wherever you can find audio, you can find us. Follow us on your favorite platform, write a five-star review, spread the audio around. We need to attract the attention of the algorithms so these conversations get the attention they deserve. Let's do it together. Be back in two minutes. Stay with us. This is the Catholic Current from the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. Catch up on an episode you've missed or share them with your family or friends. The Catholic Current is podcasted wherever you enjoy listening. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Praise be Jesus Christ. This is Father Robert McTague of the Society of Jesus, your daily host for the Catholic Current, where we bring Christ to the world and the world to Christ. You're listening to us from the Station of the Cross Studios, your local radio station, and the iCatholic Radio mobile app, where we proclaim the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. It's Timely Tuesday, where a lively guest and I have an open-ended conversation about hot headlines affecting the church and the world. My returning guest today is a listener favorite, Sarah Corrier, known as the Crusader Gal. You want to stay with us for the whole hour, because the next segment, it's you and me sharing timely thoughts, reflecting on what we've heard today. Sarah, I, I found a story on PJ Media. I'm sorry to say it, it's not the first of its kind that, that I found. I'll, I'll give you the headline. I know you've read the story too. Maryland parents shocked to learn children were given race and gender scorecards to calculate privilege. What happened there? Yes, children were basically told to fill out uh, a, a form choosing exactly how they they had more privilege than other people. This has kind of become fairly common nowadays throughout school systems. The idea that a person should feel a sort of sense of guilt for th their own benefits in society. And especially what we have seen is on the basis of whether or not they're male uh, and whether they're straight and whether they're white. These are considered to be the sort of negatives that if you have these things, or if you are these things, then you should feel a sort of collective guilt for the situation that you're in, and they're teaching kids that they should feel shame for these attributes. Well, you know, it reminds me of a story I, I read a couple of years ago where there was some school district in Australia. There must be something in the water in Australia. But they, <laughs> they said, you know, there, there was certainly very robust evidence that parents reading to their children at a very young age was enormously beneficial for, for lots of obvious reasons. And the school district was, was discouraging parents from reading to their children because it would be an unfair advantage to the children who didn't have parents who read to them. So rather than raising people up, we're going to make everyone equal by, by pulling people down. That doesn't make sense to me. And, and I know and there, there was a, a video called uh, What is Privilege that was associated with, with the story. And you all start at, at a, a line like you're starting at a race and everyone is initially holding hands. And, you know, if, if, you're, if you're white or if you're male or if you're heterosexual or you you went to a decent school, et cetera, had access to a doctor, that was, that was privilege. And if you didn't have that, you would take a step backwards. And, and I thought to myself, maybe it's the result of people making good choices. Right. You know, the, the, the one young man uh, who, uh, who was, was white and he didn't identify as, as gay, he had a T-shirt on with an astronaut on it. And I said, well, isn't that astronaut 
the fruits of, of a culture of choices, of policies that promoted intelligence and virtue. And isn't that accessible to everyone? I also thought, too, if we set up uh, another line and we had people who were identified by this metric as disadvantaged and then put them in a room with uh, Uyghurs from Western China or Christians in Nigeria and say, people have tried to decapitate you because of your religion, you know, step forward, step backward, then how would that conversation about privilege go? It seems at best, whatever it is they're trying to teach, they're, they're not doing it well. I think it lends to confusion, and I think it stirs up emotion. And when people are emotional and confused, they're, they're subject to manipulation. What, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I have noticed that those who are trying to restrict a society on the basis of these, this assigned privilege seem to be people who are only doing it to other people. I haven't seen a, a lot of white male professors who teach this stuff stepping down from their positions to allow black lesbians to take their places, for example. And I once read, oh, actually I did a video, I think, uh, about a year and a half ago about a feminist blogger who wrote about how she was intentionally sending her white son to a poorly performing school in order to, to account for the fact that he was privileged based upon the fact that he was white and male. It, it means that basically she was trying to prepare her son in the worst possible way, right? She was doing the opposite of what a parent should do, you know, by giving the child the, the sort of best opportunities in life. But she wasn't doing that for herself. She was still going to the, going to go teach at a college, at a good college, no less, but she wasn't going to send her, her child there either. So yeah, that's the kind of situation that I've been seeing. And by the way, this whole idea of privilege is kind of ties back in with our first segment. I was given a privilege quiz uh, probably six months ago by YouTube so they could figure out exactly how much they should promote my channel on the basis of these characteristics of my sexual attractions and whether I'm female or male and all of that. Yeah, <laughs> it's going around. Gosh, God bless us. God bless us. You know, one yes. of the things that she might want to do if, if she feels poorly about poorly performing schools is advocate policies that allow parents to opt out of poorly performing schools. Oh, one would think. What, what, what one would think, but you know, it's, uh, what, I, I would I would tell my students when you start a sentence with well, one would think that, then you're running into the rationalist fallacy that states, if only I explain myself clearly enough, people will understand, and then they'll agree with me. And as we both know, Sarah, that is uh, that is a, a trail of, of tears. What what stories uh, what stories uh, are are on your radar these days? What 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 are you what are you looking at? Well, actually, I I do find this particular issue tying into a lot of similar ones around the country and, and the world, which is the the fact that white people are being sort of scapegoated as the the problems of society and increasingly the non-vaccinated along with them. And people always send me these topics, including other creators, other people who make videos and they say things like, like, this seems like it's up your alley, alley sorry, your, of your alley, but I can't cover it. Um, because they're afraid to touch these topics. And so, like, for example, over in uh, Mankato, Minnesota, there's a school board there that voted to pay non-white, as they call it, additional stipends, mm -hmm. and is also going to enact its own segregation uh, of teachers so that the non-white teachers don't have to associate with the whites. And this is something that uh, prior would have gone in the other direction and probably 10 years ago would have generated outrage, but now is seen as a way to to fix this, this sense of, of privilege by discriminating against white people. And this is the sort of thing that I see kind of going around as people uh, lose their jobs and are fired in, in North Carolina. There's a massive... Uh, industrial complex called Novant Health, and it runs a lot of the hospitals around in North Carolina, South Carolina, and Virginia. And they they fired an individual for being white. He was a white male, and they replaced him with two females. You can read into that what you will. Uh, but in any case, that actually went to, went to court, and the, the jury awarded him. So I can say, in fact, that is exactly why they fired him according to the, the, the suit. Hmm. And that's going around. Well, you know, and I think in in New York State, the the governor is advocating for uh, prioritizing certain treatments for for COVID to, uh, as as I said, uh, people of color. Um, yes. <clears throat> you know, I, I I begin I begin to wonder 
uh, where that is. And and I, I know too that in in the video there was there was an Asian gentleman who said, well, as an Asian man, I don't know where I I fit in on the spectrum of privilege. And I found that very very interesting because there have been a number of lawsuits with Harvard uh, discriminating a against Asians precisely because of their talent and their their diligence and their very superior test scores and there are there are different schools now talking about bipoc uh black and indigenous people of colors parentheses but not asians so yes. are, are you know are asian people victims or are asian people privileged and i i think that rather than talking about people uh, achieving rather than talking about forming families and communities that are oriented towards human flourishing, it seems to me that there is an arrangement of victimology uh, followed by, by, by demands. Uh, and so what we, we have really is the cultivation of grievance rather than the cultivation of excellence. At least that's what, what, what my more cynical friends have, have been telling me these days. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's certainly a race to the bottom in which most people now would like to be considered victims, at least because it explains their own inadequacies. And we all have them when we reflect upon our lives, different things that we could or should have been doing differently. And instead, those people can say, well, actually, the reason that I'm in my position as opposed to this position that I could have been in is because of everybody else or somebody else. It's some degree of oppression because I'm actually a victim. And that's a really unhealthy way to, to view yourself and your position in the world. And I think it's harmful when we tell children this. I think it's harmful when you... For example, take a, a young black child and tell them that they're not going to be able to succeed as much as other people of other races because society is working against them and they can sort of blame all their problems on that. I think that's incredibly unhelpful. But nowadays, people want that. There are a lot of people who have been taught that there is a sort of privilege, you know, to, to overuse this word, in being a victim to the degree that they sort of look for their own victimhood. Right. Well, I, I know there, there have been instances where, where people who were white were pretending to be of a different racial category in order to get a scholarship or to get some, some advantage in higher education. So it makes me wonder what, the, what that privilege might be. So part of what, what concerns me, um, I, I've been in, in my spare time, my light reading has been Hannah Arendt's uh, book, uh, the origins of totalitarianism, and she certainly well documents that people have been striving to be beastly to each other in large and small groups since since forever. But she said, what makes people um, amenable to totalitarianism is they're they're isolated, they're afraid, they're stirred up, and they're looking for someone to blame. And and you know that certainly happened many times in the twentieth century. Do you think that we're 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 ripe for horrors now? I mean, certainly with with lockdowns and social distancing and and you can't gather, et cetera. Um, and then there is the the fear of you know Omicron or or Delta or it's it's the flu and COVID and uh, or codemonia, wh whatever you call it. Uh, and then it's the unvaccinated. You know. Um, uh, President Macron of France called them non-citizens. Is, is history starting to rhyme in your mind too? H have you seen this movie before? Yes, absolutely. And I find it terrifying. As we look throughout the entire Western world, we see uh, the leaders of our countries all blaming the the robbing of freedoms upon the unvaccinated or the simply non-compliant and sort of setting those people up as a scapegoats of society because most of the problems caused by so-called COVID are caused by government policies. And that's, you know, uh, but instead it is the, the unvaccinated or the non-compliant that are instead being blamed. And yes, when it comes to authoritarianism, I don't see a lot of people standing up and saying, I'm going to refuse to follow this edict. In fact, you mentioned Australia earlier. Well, you know, they've got their, their camps going on over there that are supposedly voluntary, but they're literally hunting people down who have scaled the fences to escape. And I say to those people who are acting in this sort of law enforcement capacity to hunt down the escapees of the voluntary uh, quarantine camps, to what degree would they say no? What order would they not follow? What edict would they not enact? Because there's a, a moral virtue, because there's a God who, who is watching over them that we'll have to answer to someday. I don't really see many people saying, you know, there is a line in the sand here and I'm not willing to pass it. And I think that it, it 
it's incumbent upon us to look within as individuals to our sort of own moral responsibility in these times to not get swept up in this mantra that we sort of have a a lack of duty in a sense that we should simply just follow orders because there's somebody at some higher level who's telling us to do it and therefore we can shirk our own responsibility. I don't think that's the case. And I think people need to spend time in introspection recognizing that and that they have a, their own moral duty that they have to that they have to follow. Well, you know, I, I think, Sarah, I agree with you that there has been for the longest time a flight from responsibility uh, and that I think ultimately it, it it's rooted in, in the sins of, of sloth and in despair. And I think part of the failure of the churches is to teach people that we have the highest possible calling as Christians in this life and the next, and God is going to inquire about how we spent our time and our energy. Sarah Corey of the Crusader Gal, God bless your good work. Thank you for being a splendid guest. I look forward to our next conversation. As do I. Thank you so much, Father. I'm Jesuit Father Robert McTake here at The Catholic Current. You want to stay with us for the rest of the hour. In the next segment, it's you and me sharing timely thoughts, reflecting on what we've heard today. Be part of the conversation, but follow what we're following by following us on Gab, gab.com. Our channel is The Catholic Current. After the broadcast today, go to thestationofthecross.com, get our resources list, download our audio as podcast. Everything you need to take this conversation to your family and friends we give to you. Together, let's take it around the world. We'll be right back. Stay with us. There's no better way to start your day than with spiritual formation from inspiring priests. Patriotism is a virtue that was allied to the, to the old virtue of the Greeks and Latin called pietas. Pietas meant love of God, love of neighbor, love of country. And when one goes out, all go out. That's Sermons for Everyday Living weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. After today's broadcast, go to the Catholic Current Show page on thestationofthecross.com for info on today's guests, the show resource links, and to sign up for our weekly email of upcoming shows. Praise be Jesus Christ. This is Father Robert McTague of the Society of Jesus, your daily host for the Catholic Current, where we bring Christ to the world and the world to Christ. You're listening to us from the Station of the Cross Studios, your local radio station, and the iCatholic Radio mobile app, where we proclaim the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. It's the last segment of Timely Tuesday. You know what that means? It's you and me sharing timely thoughts, reflecting on what we've heard on today's episode. My returning guest for Timely Tuesday was Sarah Corrier, known as the Crusader Gal. Oh boy, we talked about a lot of things. We talked about COVID. We talked about censorship. We talked about pronoun manipulation, racism, intersectionality, privilege. None of it really very cheerful or inspiring. But it dovetails with some some reading. Every now and again, when I have an idea germinating, I start going through different sources, trying to pick up some inspirations and and some prisms for interpreting things. And I want to share with you share with you some some quotes. It's, you know, I describe myself as a dark brooding, melancholic Irishman with an apocalyptic imagination. What happens when he starts spending time with Russian novelists and French poets? It could be dangerous. You tell me. The great Russian novelist Dostoevsky said this. He said. That tolerance will reach such a level that intelligent people will be banned from thinking so as not to offend the imbeciles. I think that's a gorgeous phrase, and I think that is very much true, that we're exhorted to follow the science, except when the science refers to male and female, then, then we have to keep quiet. Regarding that keeping quiet, that self-censorship, that, that both facilitates and is exacerbated by corporate censorship and social censorship. So let me offer you two quotes from the French poet Charles Pégé, a very complex man, was killed in World War I. He said, tyranny is always better organized than freedom. Well, why is that? I think well, one reason is that freedom, very understandably, just wants, just wants to be left alone. 
just wants to be left alone. <clears throat> I don't think that's an option uh, for us. Charles P.G. also wrote this. He said, he who does not bellow the truth when he knows the truth makes himself the accomplice of liars and forgers. Well, thank you, Charles. That's been haunting my sleep for a while. But it's not just Charles Page who says so. St. John Bosco says this, The power of evil men lies in the cowardice of the good. Oh, my. Well, as the new year starts, as we reflect on what happened the last year, the last two years, really, it is time for an examination of conscience as individuals, as families, as, as communities, certainly as, as Christians. And St. Uh, Eulogius said this, the sacrifice most pleasing to God is contrition of heart. I think that's so important that we have to look in the mirror and we have to sit before the Blessed Sacrament and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've not been a good steward of what you have entrusted to me. I let fear and confusion and distraction and 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 shame and wishful thinking and willfulness get in the way. And now it's time to uh, rend our hearts and say, Lord, I've sinned. It's time to seek out a good confessor for a sacramental confession. And consider these words from St. Peter Julian Emyard whose writings on the Eucharist are just sublime. He says this, speaking of our Lord, he says, And all that he did from the incarnation to the cross, the end Jesus Christ had in mind was the gift of the Eucharist, his personal corporal union with each Christian through communion. Remember, we've been told for years and years and years that the Eucharist is the source and summit of our lives. The problem is, is that most people conduct themselves in a way that I simply don't believe them when they say that. When we tolerate banal preaching, insipid music, uh, sweat-stained polyester vestments, uh, cheap glassware for sacred vessels, and an altar as a table from Ikea, then I simply don't believe that at least in that particular community, the Eucharist is the source and summit of our lives. Uh, someone once said, if you don't enjoy going to Mass, what makes you think you're going to be happy in heaven? Remember, the happiness of heaven that's promised to us is an ecstatic union with the Godhead, with the persons of communal love that is the Trinity. And the Eucharist is kind of the dress rehearsal for that. So here's what, what I'm working on, and I, I think I'm going to write an essay on this. Uh, we're looking for scapegoats in society, whether it's blaming people of privilege or, or white people or people of a certain class or people who aren't vaccinated, uh, people who are isolated and afraid and are prone to manipulation, who have become addicted to indignation they're going to need a catharsis. They're going to need to release that venom, that rage, that disappointment, that frustration. And they're going to find some individuals and they're going to find some group to blame. And we have to stop that before it happens. Uh, <clears throat> if you doubt me, just look at the history of the 20th century. So here's what I'm suggesting, that there is a specifically Catholic remedy for the social conditions that facilitate tyranny. Tyranny flourishes, I mean, and I mean totalitarian tyranny flourishes where people are isolated and afraid. How do, we, how do we as Catholics overcome isolation? Well, we need Catholic fellowship. We need to be in the same room with people who pray as we do, who say amen to the same eternal truths as we do. And we need that for social reasons, we need that for spiritual reasons, we need that for all sorts of reasons, and that's obvious. I think a little bit obvious, but much more important, is the Catholic antidote, the Catholic inoculation, if you will, to the social conditions that facilitate totalitarianism, is worthy worship. What do I mean by that? Well, G.K. Chesterton talks about the democracy of the dead. Uh, and he says that the people who've gone before us, they, they have a right to vote, too, about what we're doing in the here and now. And I know people who find it a very great consolation 
when they pray in the manner of their ancestors, when they pray in the manner that most of the company of heaven would recognize. I know Franciscans who say that it is a joy for me to offer Mass in a way that St. Francis would have recognized. I know Jesuits who say, it is a great consolation to me when I offer Mass in the manner that it was offered by St. Ignatius Loyola and St. Francis Xavier, when I offer the Mass for which Edmund Campion gladly died. You see, worship reminds us that we have an identity, a dignity, and destiny that the world cannot contain, cannot imitate, cannot replicate, and certainly cannot remove. When we realize who we are, signed with Christ's cross, redeemed by him who is for us priest, prophet, and king, when we recognize that, as St. Paul said, if our hope is for this life only, we are the most pitiable of men, then we can band together on the road as pilgrims, carrying each other, uh, picking each other up when we stumble, exhorting each other to go forward, go forward, one more step to our Father's house, one more step to our Father's house, where already a banquet is prepared for us. Friends, make no mistake, we we have obligations to each other in this life, but this life is not the final venue. And this world, especially in its fallen state, is not our true home. Our only true home is in our Father's house. I'm Jesuit Father Robert McTigg, your host here every day at the Catholic Current. Think on these things with your family and friends. Uh, bring it to prayer. Uh, join us tomorrow. We're going to welcome back uh, the author of, of the book Revolt Against Reality, Gary Machuda. We're going to be talking about how uh, science was founded by Catholicism. For real. After the broadcast today, go to the station of the cross.com, get our resources list, download our audio as podcast. Through the intercession of St. Ignatius Loyola and through the intercession of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, may Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go in peace and please do pray for me. Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Station of the Cross.com, a listener funded nonprofit organization. Please prayerfully consider donating at the Station of the Cross.com by calling 1 877 888 6279 or through our free iCatholic Radio mobile app.